here's this. The opinions that you hear are those of the host and callers, and not those of iHeartMedia, its management, or advertisers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Phillips File, broadcasting high atop the iHeartMedia complex on WTKS-FM HD1. Coco Beach, Orlando. Available anywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app. Download it now. Groundbreaking. Critically acclaimed. And now, The Phillips File. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Yeah, it is. It's the uh, Phillips file. This one for Wednesday. That's February 28, 2018. We're going to do away with a normal opening and a lot of things on this Wednesday because I promised earlier late last year and earlier this year that on Wednesdays I wanted to focus on the opioid and heroin crisis here in central Florida. So that's what we're going to start to do. And we're going to get right into the meat of the matter immediately. I got a letter uh, not too long ago. Mo did pass it on to me by someone who we will refer to as Mr. X. We're not going to identify this person. There's no reason to do that. Anyway, we want to protect this individual and his identity. And uh, Mr. X uh, sent this uh, letter. And we said, if we're going to kick off this series every Wednesday of focusing on the heroin and opioid crisis in Central Florida. Let's get Mr. X on the air as quickly as possible. Mr. X, as we will refer to him, has been uh, kind enough to stop by. and We're going to spend some minutes, maybe the entire hour, trying to get a handle on some things that are happening in Central Florida as they are around the rest of the nation as it relates to opioid uh, dependency and addiction and heroin addiction and everything else. What we have in Central Florida is as bad, maybe even worse than other parts of the country as well. So let's just uh, get into the meat of the matter. I'll say, Mr. X, thanks for helping us out. Thanks for showing up this afternoon. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate being here. All right, let me let me look over a little bit of the letter, and let's just get this out of the way. You graduated from college with two degrees. Is that correct? You're yes. a college-educated ed- individual. You were a motocross racer, a pro, a amateur. Um, we actually, my brother and I went pro for a little while, so we were in it since uh, since we were four years old, and it was uh, yeah, big big part of our lives. So my understanding is you had an accident in training for motocross, or you went a race and had a serious accident. You go to the go to the doctor and the orthopedic surgeons. Orthopedic surgeons along the way prescribe what oxycotton, oxycodone. Uh, I was started off uh, with Vicodin, which is hydrocodone, and um, yeah, I mean pretty much right after my accident, it was. Um, you know, it was told to me that I was going to need extensive rehab and uh, and long-term pain medication. So uh, it started with um, seven and a half milligram hydrocodone. Did they tell you at the time this was non-addictive? They didn't. They didn't tell me uh, that it was that they really didn't say anything about it. To be honest with you, they didn't say it was addictive or not addictive. And I was I was you know really young and naive. I right. hadn't been you know I had no knowledge. It was just a medication my doctor was prescribing to me. How would you refer to yourself today as a recovering addict, uh, uh, an addict, uh, no label, some kind of label? Uh, there's definitely a label that goes along with me. I uh, 
Uh, yeah, I'm an addict for sure. I'm an opiate addict. I'm an opiate dependent. I still um, require opiates daily so I can so I can function. And uh, yeah, and that's in the form of methadone. Yes, I take methadone. Now. And how long have you been on that program? Uh, I've I've the the clinic I'm going to now. I've been compliant there for two years, mm-hmm. but I've been on methadone um, since 2005, actually. So was this court ordered or a decision that you wanted to move in that direction? This might help out some somewhat. Uh, a little of both. Okay. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was really my decision. I've uh, you know I, nobody wants to be a drug addict. You know that's nobody sets out to become one. Correct not really a, a goal I had in life and it happened that way and uh you know I, I don't have an answer to it I've been trying for years to figure it out and um I, you know I've I've researched it to death and I, I don't have an answer yet I, I try the best I can yeah let me go back to when you were uh, after this motocross accident and you were on these particular prescription drugs was there any moment in time days is it weeks was it years before you you determined Something's. I got a problem here. I, I'm. I'm addicted to these things. It was extremely fast. Was yeah. it really? Yeah. I mean, I. I was in recovery to the point where I was pretty much. You know, I was in bed. I. I couldn't get around. I was recuperating, and. Um, and you know, I. I, I like the way they made me feel immediately. They. They are. It was like a gift from God. I mean, I felt amazing, and uh, I had nothing to do all day. But that recover. was the feeling because the pain went away or the feeling was man i really just feel great both i um you know i had a severe amount of pain um i I had a spinal compression a a fractured skull broken ribs um so i was in a fair amount of pain and uh and it took that away and it and it made me feel amazing was it a high feeling was it a feeling of being high yes definitely yeah i mean it's just a it's a warm cozy feeling um the pain goes away. Conversation becomes more interesting. Um, you know, it just, uh, everything's right in the world, you know. Mr. X is our guest. So walk me through the first time. You, you realize you had a problem. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about the experience of trying to get off of uh, off of these. Um, I guess. What yeah. is it? What is it? Tell the audience, if you can paint the picture, what it, what it is, what happens to you physically and mentally when you try to separate from these particular addictive substances? Um, well, pretty much what happens is your, your body becomes um, physically dependent on them. Uh, they say there's two parts of your brain, your thinking brain and your primitive brain. Your primitive brain uh, is responsible for, um, you know, responses that, that have you uh, like breathing, you know, food when you're hungry, sleep when you're tired. And when you become addicted to opiates, you then are required to have opiates for like natural life to function. You know, you have to have opiates, oxygen to breathe, food to eat, sleep at night. So without that, it's like you're dying. You know, it's really like you're starving to death or, or you, you're, you know, you need sleep and you can't fall asleep or you're, you're dying of thirst. I mean, it's, it's literally your whole body starts to shut down. You know, you sweat, but you're freezing cold. You're exhausted but you can't stop moving. I mean, it's it's everything imaginable uh, that your body can go through, um, you know, trying to get you to get what it needs. So uh, essentially, you said to, to beat that awful feeling of, of withdrawal, the best thing to do is just 
get back on the yeah. on whatever whatever substance it might be. Exactly. Your your body does everything in its power to get you to get what it needs. Was your doctor willing to keep prescribing you medicine after your surgery? Oh yeah, yeah. He um, you know, and there's so many uh quote unquote pain med- medical doctors out there that that you know, they don't really see a, a point in having you stop taking them. I mean, it's business, you know. It's that's that's a that's another whole issue in itself with the medical industry and pain is uh it's big business you know it's a guaranteed patient showing up for a for an appointment every thirty days you know because that's they can't prescribe more than thirty days worth at a time so so walk us through from when you, you moved to other substances namely heroin what hap- what happened well eventually um you know you're always chasing that high that that first right. feeling that you have are you chasing the high or are you chasing away the possibility of withdrawal uh both, you're, you're really. looking you're looking for that high that feeling that warm and fuzzy and you're yeah. also saying to yourself i would suppose i just don't want to enter any kind of i don't want to go through any kind of withdrawal exactly yeah you um Especially in the beginning when everything's still so exciting and new and you're still looking for that feeling, trying mm-hmm. to get that feeling back, you're you're really looking for that high. But as your addiction, you know, goes on and years go by, you really just kind of get disgusted with everything. And at that point, which is where I'm at now, you're just looking for a solution. You're just looking to get well. It's like, like a, a diabetic taking his insulin, you know. I mean, I still have cravings and I still think all the time about that good feeling, but I've abused it so much that it, it just doesn't really work for me anymore. So, um, so I'm just daily just trying to get well. What would happen to you if you just said to yourself or tried to say to yourself, I'm not doing methadone anymore, or just a clean break. What, what physically, what would happen to you? Same thing. Have you tried uh, that before? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. When I went to treatment the, the first time, um, I was on a really high dose of methadone, so the, the medication that they gave me at treatment really had no effect on me. So I ended up doing it uh, cold turkey, and, uh, and it, was, it was rough. I mean, it was a month of just completely breaking down your body, just, just sweating, insomnia, muscle cramps. I mean, complete exhaustion. Um, you know, I mean, just imagine the worst feeling you've ever had times a thousand that's what i've heard this is like like having the flu a hundred times worse yeah yeah if not more yeah a lot worse yeah all right let me i need to take a little break mr x is our guest as we begin a series of uh of shows to try to you know take a take a a look at what's happening with the opiate and uh, heroin crisis here in central florida we'll continue our conversation in a couple of minutes or so it's the phillips file on real radio 104.1 City kicks off the 2018 campaign at home, playing host to DC United March 3rd. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. on FM 96.9, The Game, AM 740, and iHeartRadio. The Phillips File on uh, Wednesdays, at least for an hour, uh, starting now, we'll be focusing on the opiate and heroin epidemic in Central Florida, as it is around the rest of the nation. We started off the program talking to uh, a person who is an addict. His name is, we're referring to him as Mr. X. We will keep his identity away from everybody else. That is our, uh, that is our claim, and we will continue with that. So you were, you were on pills because of this motocross accident. And explain to us again the trans, transformation when you went from pills to, to the use of heroin. What happened? Um, well, I guess most... Uh Addicts eventually with opiates will find that 
no matter how hard uh, the medication is, how much they take, whatever strength it is, it's just not quite good enough. You know, it never gets you to where you want to be. So uh, that's and then at that point, you're generally spending a lot of money, you know, to take so many pills. So, of course, the natural procession is to try heroin. Right. It's it's cheaper um, and it's a lot stronger. So. I, uh, yeah, I mean, there was one day where, uh, somebody I was with, he, he said, you're crazy. You're spending so much money on pills and, you know, and you could be a lot more well off, you know, for, for shorter cash here. And I, I, yeah, I tried, I tried heroin for the first time and, and, uh, yeah, and he was right. You know, it put me back to where pills used to get me. And, um, and how long have, were you a, a, a heroin addict? Uh, let's see. I guess I used heroin every day for a good three, three and a half, four years there. How hard was it to, to score it? Oh, <clears throat> uh, well at, at the time I was living down in South Florida. So you literally just went off of eighth street in Miami and there's parking lots where kids selling on bicycles. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like 14, 15 years old. So you were intravenous heroin user. Yes. Yep. Did you ever overdose? I, I have not ever overdosed. I, uh, I guess I've always had just an immense tolerance and, uh, you know, I've just been lucky, I suppose. And I, I, I have never had an overdose, but a lot of people I know have. Were you ever with somebody who did? Yes. Yep. I was with, um, yeah. I mean, the first time I tried heroin, the, the kid that introduced me to it, he, he overdosed in the passenger seat of my vehicle. Um, I've lost, uh, I've lost so many of my really close, close friends, mm. you know, what, are, what is the public missing? Do you think from, from, from all of this? I mean, you'll, you'll hear to people as well, it's a moral choice. You know, they, uh, this is their problem. They decided to do this. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read statistics. I don't know whether it's true or not. Where 80% of people who are now addicted to these opiates and, and heroin essentially started off with pills for pain management. But, yeah. I think that falls into into the truth category. I think that's very accurate. I mean, I, heroin's not a drug that you, you know, just decide to try at a party. You know, it's it's a. I think it's more of a drug that you graduate up to. Um, and the natural, like I said, the natural order of things is like Vicodin. You know, maybe oxycodone, um, and then eventually, you know, uh, heroin. It's it's kind of. Why did this crisis really? become a crisis the availability or was it the number of people who because of the pill mills and the doctors maybe being misinformed about the addictive qualities of some of these substances people got addicted to the pills and there's always someone will at least i would think always fulfill the market needs if you crack down on the pills somebody's going to come along and say well we can supply the heroin and make money yeah that's i think what what happened i think it's a little of everything i mean i think the um you know, the, the doctors, especially here in Florida, were reckless for a while with their uh, prescribing. Um, and then when they kind of corrected that mistake, they put in that monitoring program where, uh, you know, you can no longer see multiple doctors. Um, you know, that, that kind of it dried up the supply. So naturally, there becomes a huge opportunity for, for narcotics dealers because you have X amount of uh, opiate addicts still looking for their medicine, you know. When you were a heroin addict, 
for how many years now? Was it five or six years? Did you say uh, about four years? What was your What was your average day? I mean, were you a functional addict? Could you hold a job, or were you the stereotypical down and out in 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 whatever? Uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I was always a highly functioning addict. I, I, um, I don't know. I, I always, I just, I couldn't uh, imagine like not having a job, not earning money, and being in that position. So, what I did was I, I regrouped and I worked my ass off to get extra high. You know, so mm-hmm. that's kind of what that was my, that was my take on it. I, I don't know. So I, yeah, I worked every day. You know, I would probably spend about, you know, more than half of what I earned on my heroin, but I uh, I was able to always work and function and pay my bills and stuff, so I, I was a very highly functioning addict. But And there's many more people like that out there, I'm sure, you know. it's That's what I've heard, that, you know, you would be surprised at the number of people who are addicts, who are functional, who are in the workplace and, and essentially – you would never know because we have this stereotype in our minds about what an addict is. I mean, in the Bowery and along the curb, passed out, nodding off, and it's just not necessarily that way. You're a college graduate, two yeah. degrees. Yeah. Uh, did this ever affect your your work? I mean, did anybody at work even have any idea that you were you were you were an addict? Yeah, um, you know, there there were people that that could tell, and it has really affected my work because I, you know, I was. Uh, arrested you know at one time and and it that pretty much ruined my life because although i had a good attorney and it uh you know it, it, he was able to plead it down and everything there's still that record that goes on you know i have um and even though i pleaded no contest and i paid the attorney to have the the case sealed and everything i it still shows up so i have been uh eligible and qualified for some really good jobs that you know big Corporate America has flown me out to their headquarters, interviewed me, everything looked great, and then all of a sudden I get the blow-off because they do a background check, you know, and they see that arrest and there's just unanswered questions, so, yeah. yeah. Before you were before you were an addict, before the, the motocross accident and the addiction to the pills and then the, the move over to heroin, I mean, tell the, I mean, if you can tell the, I mean, what were your dreams as you were, you know, as you were growing up and a young man and was it your brother who you were motocross? Did he go down the same path? I mean, does he have the same problem? Was he injured and the same thing happened? Yep. Carbon copy. Yeah. No kidding. Unfortunately. Is uh, your, is your, is your family an addict, have an addictive quality as certain alcoholics uh, Jim, you I have, do. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, more than half. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But um, but yeah, it's in the genes, I think for sure. But yeah, my brother's there too. I, I uh, this is something that if you would have told me when I was in college or whatever, this would be where my life goes. I would never believe. I I couldn't believe you. I would think now you got you got the wrong guy. Like this, this isn't how things are gonna happen for me. I know me. I'm hardworking. You know, I, 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 I start things and I finish them and I, I'm like, I'll be successful. You know, I, I honestly felt when I was in college that I would make my first million by the time I was 25. You know, I was just, uh, you know, the best man in the room. I always figured, you know, but, it, it, you know, it didn't work out that way for me. It, uh, I ended up becoming an addict and it's a, it's a huge part of my life, something I, I struggle with. I don't know the answer to and, 
it's a gigantic void that I have and it's a it's kind of like a, a giant secret that I have you know and I'm out with uh with my wife and we're out with friends other mm-hmm. couples mm-hmm. and things sometimes it's like it's always in the back of my mind you know we're all at dinner we're having conversation I'm looking around and I'm thinking these people have no idea like I have this you know my wife obviously does but they have no idea this horrible affliction that I deal with every moment of my life. You know, it's just always, always there, just always cropping up and just, you know, not one minute goes by. I don't think about it. And, uh, and I have to deal with it. I have to live with it. And it's, it's like a, a riddle I can't figure out. You know, it's like a question I can't answer. It's, uh, it's just horrible. Is that one of those? Why me? I don't understand. Why me? You know, I, I don't, some, of course, I've I've felt that way. Like, why this have to happen to me? And I've gotten angry about it. But I've, uh, but it's just it's frustrating to me because I can't figure it out. You know, I'm I'm right. a, kind of an engineer by trade, so I like to figure out problems. And this is like the one problem in my life, and one thing I've never been able to solve. You know, and I just I can't figure out how to uh, how to stop, how to get off this stuff. You know? What do you What do you think would happen if if your friends found out? I don't, I don't know. know what they do in rehab, whether they recommend that you tell your friends about this or keep it to yourself. It's it's uh, I mean, I of course, I have some friends that know everything about me, sure. you know, but I have a lot of friends that don't. And um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how they take it. Sometimes I think, uh, you know, maybe they'd be cordial to me, but maybe they wouldn't understand. You know, like you were saying, there's a lot of people with stereotypes about what the what the addict is, who he is. You can't you can't trust him when he's around or, you know, it's. I don't know. You know, it's it's tough. It's it's not who I thought I'd be, but it, you know, this is who I am, I guess. At one time, you uh, dealt in drugs. Yes. Heroin? Uh, no, never dealt in heroin. It was uh, pills. This was a way to feed your own habit or make money. Yeah, it, it definitely. It, I I never set out to be any kind of a drug dealer. You know, it it just got to the point where I was spending so much and I had friends that always knew I was into it. So they'd say, Oh, get me a couple, get me a couple. Right. And then, you know, and then it did kind of take off to become something that was a lot bigger than uh, I ever intended it to be. And it ended up really, <laughs> really kind of, you know, biting me in the end there. I, I was arrested for uh, narcotics trafficking. I would imagine maybe you're hanging around some, some characters that are shady guys, essentially yeah. not in your best interest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, people that uh, I never thought I'd I would you know rub shoulders with. And... Mr. X is our guest. We're trying to focus at least Wednesdays on the Phillips file now through whenever, maybe this year. Just trying to get a better handle on the opiate and heroin crisis here in Central Florida. It's a grip Central Florida grips the rest of the nation as well. Tell me about the methadone program. You've been on methadone for two years um yeah i mean off and on since like 2005 but the last couple of years i've been really trying to stick to the program and i've been compliant and uh yeah i go to the i go to a methadone clinic um what is methadone methadone is a is a synthetic opioid that is uh, it binds really tight to your receptors so it it ends up being a long-lasting medication Mm -hmm. you're you know, when you shoot heroin, usually three hours later or so, you're looking for your next fix. You're already beginning right. to have the onset of withdrawals. Uh, methadone lasts up to 24 hours. So in essence, you can take it once a day and stave off the withdrawals for a 24-hour period. So, Do, you, do um, you have to go to the clinic for the methadone or you prescribe methadone where 
you have a certain amount in your possession for a certain length of time? Yeah, there's a um, there's a doctor at the clinic, and you have a, a like a legitimate prescription for it. Mm-hmm. At first, um, you go there every single day, but after you're compliant and you're you know you're good with your urine screens, where you're not doing other drugs, and you can prove that you have a, a steady job and that you have a steady residence. Um, they'll give you, you know, a, a supply of it. So I go once a week now. Okay. Jack it, has a question. Is there a high to the methadone or is it just simply satisfying that body's craving for the uh, drug? That's a little bit of a catch 22 because, um, you can get high for methadone. Like I don't, people say that that's not what it's for, but you can definitely get high for methadone if you take, uh, enough of it. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of a, a hard a hard thing to deal with sometimes because I do I do crave the methadone I know even during the week when I have my week's worth like I can take extra and catch maybe a little bit of a buzz so it's like a constant battle I'm fighting with myself with my own medication there it's like well if I take extra I'm just gonna screw myself because I'll be out by the end of the week but um but yeah, you can get you know a little bit of a buzz from the methadone. Is it a constant battle for you, even with methadone? Are you still having a craving for, for heroin, or do you have uh, do you, I don't know? Do you, are you allowed to drink? Do you, do you drink? Um, yeah, we're not, we're not really supposed to, but I, I have a couple of drinks. I don't, you know that's some people have a hard time handling alcohol, right. like they're dual addicted or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that was never with me, so I. I'll have a couple of drinks, but honestly, sometimes the alcohol can kick your cravings up for opiates more. Right. So it's kind of a, yeah, Mr. X is our guest. So you went to rehab three times mm-hmm. voluntary. Yes. Yep. And did it work for a while? Didn't work. How long, how were, how long, give us an idea about at least one of your rehab programs that you got involved in. Okay. The, the first time I went um, was in 2007 and uh, it was, you know, my heroin use had gotten really bad. And uh, <clears throat> so I decided to go and um, it was a 30 day program following a one week detox, which a week you're not detoxed within a week, not off of methadone anyway. Mm-hmm. But so you're there for 30 days and um, most programs will really push the the 12 steps hard you know the right. they use for alcoholics and stuff and it i don't know i guess it works for some people it never really seemed to work well with me and they they you know they want you to go to a lot of meetings following the treatment center um and uh i don't know i mean it kind of worked for a little while you're surrounding yourself with sober people but uh, but you're also a lot of times at the meetings, you know, romanticizing the times you used to get high, and that was kind of hard sometimes. And um, I don't know, not 99 days was pretty much my my best, you know, uh, uh, sobriety period. But after the 30 days of rehab, you then yeah. lasted 99 more days. Yes. Yep. And um, it's kind of a weird number. I know it was like my treat to myself. I guess on my hundredth day. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, they say like when you come out of rehab and you first get clean, they say you're on a pink cloud. They call it right. because you're exactly you know, you're you're really into your rehab. I'm sober now. I'm cured. Mm-hmm. This is great. Oh my, everything's brighter again. But eventually that wears off, you know, and the reality sets in that your body still has that desire, you know, that craving and. And then when you're completely sober like that, your body knows, like, hey, we can get really high. <laughs> so I have a few minutes. Mr. X is our guest as we try to get some kind of handle on what this opiate and heroin crisis is in, in Central Florida. 
you know, you project in, into the future. I mean, what do you see down the line? Or is it just a day-to-day slog for you? Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've looked into the future so much that I don't anymore, you know, because I, I've just tried to look for a solution for so long that I haven't been able to find or anything that works for me really better than the methadone program. So I just... I just kind of deal with life day to day, try to do the best I can. Luckily, I have an, an amazing wife, you know, that mm-hmm. has put up with all my BS for the past uh, 15 years, you know. So she, uh, poor thing, she's been along for the whole ride, you know. But, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping at some point they can come up with a medication or something to deal with um the opiate, or I mean, the uh, withdrawals, rather. You, um, you know, I'm sure you pay attention to the news because of the struggles that you have with these particular substances. What's is is somebody not taking the right approach? You know, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, you mean as far as the government? How well, they're dealing I mean, whether with it? it's law enforcement, whether it's government, whether it's uh, whether it's rehab people, uh, you know, programs yeah. or whatever. What's I think it doesn't seem to me that anybody's making much progress. No, they're really not. And I think they're they're doing a lot of things uh, they shouldn't be or, or utilizing funds uh, the wrong way. You know, I, what I do you think, think is needed? I think, first of all, I think there needs to be a lot more education as far as addiction. You know, I think it needs to be uh, educated to the youth a lot earlier about how dangerous it is. And also, I think more money needs to go into research and development of a, of a medication that will work for pain that's non-narcotic and a medication that will really help people that want to get off of it, you know, whether it be a, a psych med so they can deal with the psychological issues of addiction mm-hmm. uh, and also the physical, you know, the withdrawals. They're, they're so terrible that most of your opiate addicts, just can't even deal with it. Like I, I couldn't go to work. I couldn't take care of everything in my house, you know, going through those withdrawals for an entire month, you know, my, my business would be destroyed, you know, everything would come falling down on me. <laughs> you would agree that most people just don't have an understanding of it's a disease and have, I mean, they can't relate to, to the addiction and certainly can't relate to the withdrawal. You'll hear people say, Oh, well, cigarettes are addictive and uh, it's hard to get off cigarettes, but this does, this does, I don't know if you smoke or ever did, but this does not compare. I'm sure. No, no, this is a whole different animal. You know, it's, it actually changes your, your physiological, um, you know, all the way your, your body works. They say once you become an addict, it changes and it's changed for good. So it's, Will you have to be on methadone in some way, shape, or form at, forever for the rest of your life? Uh, for right now, I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, I uh, there's no other solution that I've been able to to come up with, or you know, other medication or anything that I've found that works any better. So this is a lifelong struggle. Yeah, yeah. Is oh. it methadone free? Is it is it a clinic? Do you have to pay for this? And yeah, no, it's in, in some states it is free. Um, here in Florida, though, it's seventeen dollars a day. So, no kidding. Yeah, it's about five hundred bucks a month. Does insurance cover that? Does nah. insurance cover methadone treatment? Not nah. at all. No, nah, they're they're for profit. The methadone clinics and they're cash only. <laughs> well, that's probably another program in itself. I've heard that before. People who've called said, you know, it doesn't. They can't afford it. They can't deal with it. Yeah, that's I know. That's well, I all I can say is, you know, we wish you well in your in, in your struggle. Thank um, you very much. And and once again, thanks for for coming by and being our first guest in. You know, hopefully we can at least draw some attention to what's 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 going on with us. We wish you the best of luck and and stay in touch and 
who knows, we'll try to get you back again. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate yeah. it, and um, I'm glad you guys are dedicating part of the show to this. I'm going to try. Thank you very much. It's the Phillips File Wednesday edition on Real Radio 104.1. Thanks to Mr. X for coming by the Phillips File. We appreciate that very much as the Phillips File on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, we'll take a little bit of time at the beginning of the program to focus on the opiate and heroin crisis here in Central Florida. There are not a lot of statistics out there, believe it or not. Uh, the ones that I have, most going to have some news in a couple of minutes or so, but what I did come up with uh, in 2017, opiates uh, killed an average of 15 Floridians every single day. Uh, Fentanyl-related deaths in Florida, the latest statistics by uh, the state, uh, increased by 97% in 2016. Opioid deaths, heroin, cocaine, assorted prescription drugs increased by 35%. The presence of methamphetamine grew by 104%. Orange County, Orlando being the home base, of course, had the fourth largest rate of deaths by morphine. Now, that may have changed over... 2016 into 2017. I don't have a lot of stats for 2017. You'd think they'd be all over the place, wouldn't you, with the level of this crisis that we have in the state of Florida and central Florida. you think that you'd have stats just coming out of the woodwork. We right. don't. Prescription drugs have killed more Floridians than street drugs. Uh, Orange County is in the first nine months, first nine months of last year saw an 84% increase in drug-related emergency calls. Now, that could be Orlando. That could be Orange County. They might keep separate stats on that. I don't know if they combine them anywhere. I don't know if the local Orange County uh, Heroin Drug Task Force has those stats. We'll reach out to them. Nationwide opioid overdose deaths were five times higher in 2016 than 1999. Opioid deaths in Florida increased 46.3% from 2015 to mm-hmm. 20. 16. We will take uh, Wednesdays, at least the first hour, first half hour of every Wednesday, if we can, and we will focus on this uh, crisis here in Central Florida as best we can until uh, and for the remainder of the year, maybe at least. Let's get a little and, bit of news. And Jim, if I may, people uh, questioning and texting on how to, uh, you know, be a part of it, if you email yeah. Moira, M O I R A, at realradio.fm. And uh, she's handling the organization. Yeah, if you have suggestions or who to turn to for guests, I want to stay away from politicians as best I can for a while because you know the way they operate. I want to focus the attention on themselves and kind of polish their own apple and explain what a wonderful job they're doing. I'm staying away from that for a while. Mm 